evening, good afternoon, welcome everybody to our very first Guns and Yellow Ribbons podcast. Uh, I'm Fergus from Arsenal Fans Forum. I am Mike from uh, Vanger's Code Sip. And uh, what we're going to talk about today, Mike? Well, today we're going to talk about a very interesting weekend, uh, very uh, ex- exciting victory in the North London Derby. Uh, we will discuss some positives and some negatives from the performance. And then uh, let's talk about um, upcoming fixtures, uh, off to Cologne on Thursday, and then the banana skin that could be Burnley, um, what we expect of who's going to line up, any any predictions on results. And as I mentioned already, I'm quite a bit excited about going to Cologne. <laughs> and maybe have a little bit of a debate uh, afterwards about a little bit more controversial stuff. I'm a, I must say that I'm a little bit jealous of the fact that you're going to uh, the Cologne match. <laughs> Uh, my first European trip. I am buzzing. <laughs> I'm buzzing for you, so. <laughs> yeah, it was getting getting permission from the wife. That's taken. It's probably taken about. It's probably about six months of work. That honestly, <laughs> about six months of work. You can come, darling. Why not come? Why don't you join me? And she goes, No, it's okay. So there's. Uh, there's five of us who've um, let's, let's talk about that that one afterwards okay. more importantly let's talk about what color is london yeah so uh i mean for you different perspective than for me i guess you were uh kind of at the game excited having some pints i saw lots of videos some pictures meanwhile i was oh shit you sitting. didn't see that one enough my match positives did you <laughs> Um, I think I did actually the one on YouTube. <laughs> uh, yeah, don't. <laughs> I was a uh, different approach. I was sitting on my couch. Uh, Santi, my son, was laying next to me, and Santi Gazola. I was trying to uh, celebrate and not wake him up. So it was a very interesting morning for sure. But I mean, the outcome was fantastic. Uh, so, what time of the morning was it for you? Uh, so the match kicked off at 7.30 a.m. here, but uh, I was very excited the night before. So I, I woke up. It was about 6 a.m. So I just laid in bed and kind of went through social media. So I was ready to go. I had my cup of coffee and uh, was looking forward to it. I, w- I was trying to be very good. Uh, I got up at uh, 5 a.m. because um, I said to my wife, look, I'm going to probably drink a lot of beer and uh, have no voice. And I'm going to feel like <laughs> absolute dog shit the next day. So I need to go out for a run. So I got up at 5 a.m. I went for a run, uh, came back, shower, change, met some guys um, up in uh, in, a, in a local cafe, had breakfast, lined my stomach nicely. And I was in down in London for about 10, went to the George, met up with quite a few uh, fans, forum members and just loads of gooners. And the atmosphere, the whole place was just buzzing continuously. Usually, but with that, and yeah, so it was really, really, really good. Yeah, you could tell from the broadcast, at least over here, that the uh, the environment over there was was outstanding. Something maybe we haven't seen for for a while. No, totally agree, totally agree. And it, even the weather turned a bit drizzly, cold. You know, it was just horrible. Well, not horrible, but just a money for for people to come to, um, and. When you walked up by the cannons and walked up the stairs to the concourse, people were singing. There was just a buzz. It really, really, it really, really was a buzz. I, I posted up some footage from outside the turnstiles and uh, also um, I posted some footage of uh, some of the guys inside the stadium doing We Won the League at Shite Heart Lane. And you don't see that week in, week out in the bar area. It's normally people talking about 
I don't know, business meetings and, you know, what you're going to have for dinner tonight. There's never the build-up like that. And seven years ago in there, and it's probably one of the best atmospheres I've ever had. Yeah, it was definitely, uh, I mean, just seeing the the fan reaction on social media and the, the pictures and the, the videos, uh, you definitely got the sense, at least from, from an outsider looking in, that it was uh, definitely an outstanding outstanding atmosphere, considering the fact that um, it was rainy and, and dreary. Yeah, I, 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 the, the weather added to it because one, the pitch is all watered anyway, but it zips and it just made. And what made it even better, I think, I don't know if we thought we'd get beat, but Tottenham, all around where I live, is mostly Tottenham uh, and a bit of West Ham. And um, West Ham don't really matter, do they? Um, <laughs> that, that'll be good if my brother listens to this. He'll yeah. get really annoyed. <laughs> they definitely don't matter, especially with Moyes going 0-1 to start. So, <laughs> I, You know what? Off subject a little bit. Moyes, yes, he's had a, a few bad uh, outings in Spain and Man United, Man United and Sunderland. Sunderland was a, a poison chalice. He was, uh, was a... a a basket case anyway. Um, Man United was a poison chalice. Fergus, uh, Ferg, Fergus, I didn't. <laughs> Fergus, Ferguson fleeced um, the, 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 the squad, first of all. He, he inherited an awful team. He bought Fellaini, he bought uh, Mata, and they're, you know, have been key players for them for the last two or three years. Yeah. Yeah, I think he but, definitely bailed at the right time, but that's a, a discussion for another day. Total different matter. It's not important <laughs> because the most important thing is North London is definitely red. And that's what made me split onto that side. The Spurs fans, um, they were just walking around with this air of confidence thinking, yeah, we're going to turn them over. I was speaking to a colleague in work today and I said to him, I said, look, I predicted 1-1, um, but I wouldn't have been surprised if we got turned over 2-1 or 3-1. And he said, fully enough, we didn't talk about before the game. He said, I predicted 1-1, but I guessed we'd probably beat you 2 or 3-1. So they definitely had that feeling of they'd probably win. We had that feeling of we could lose and we don't want to lose. The yeah. other worrying thing... Go on, sorry. Yeah, I think... Uh, and I feel like the... And we'll get into this a little bit later, but I think that the media in England also kind of played into that as well. Oh, talk shite. Keep on going on about how wonderful <laughs> Harry Kane is and Delhi Alley. Yeah. Oh, it just drives me mad. Absolutely. Do you, do you listen to any of the, uh, the UK radio channels over there? I do. I listen to, uh, I normally listen to talk sport very often. So I get kind of, uh, some people, I have a couple of British friends that they, they ask me, how do you even, how are you able to listen to that? I can't, I can't stand it. And but who, who do you listen to? Um, so I listen, I normally listen to it throughout the day. So, uh, talk sport drive, uh, I can't remember some of their names. Uh, Adrian Durant. Yes. He's one of them. Oh. Uh, Last guy, his last name is Brazil. I can't remember what his first name is. Oh, Alan Brazil. Yeah. He is fantastic. Yeah, He's there's brilliant. some of them. Some of them on there that are pretty interesting. I saw that uh, Jim White, I believe, was his name from Sky Sports, yes. was on there this morning. So I was listening to that a little bit. Yeah, Jim, Jim White's on every most most days from 10 a.m. here till yeah. one, and then the program I do like the most is Hawksby and Jacobs. Yeah, I, I, like I don't get. To, 
I don't get to listen to it because I'm in and out of the car, and so I get to listen to bits. But I missed today because uh, one of them is a Spurs fan, one's a Chelsea fan, and I, I wanted to hear what his opinion was. I might podcast it later, but. <laughs> but so, what did you think um, of the? Uh, what did you think of the performance? I guess being in the stadium, um, you definitely see different aspects of it than if you're watching on TV. So I'm interested to hear, uh, you know, what your perspective was, what your initial thoughts were pro- prior to having maybe gone home and watched the match back again. Uh, before the game, saw the lineup. Really pleased with the lineup. We were as long as uh, Lacazette was on there. Really pleased. Didn't really want Iwobi to start. Wanted the command because I, I, I think you can sometimes um, uh, just get a little bit not hot headed, but he just loses a little bit. I, I do like the kid, but you know he, he's not one to start an Ottawa derby. I was pleased with the lineup. Um, part of me wanted Jack to start. Uh, I think it's it, it, it's it's uh, it, it's just having the English guy in there, the little British terrier, and I, that old photo of him standing up against Alston from West Brom. Yeah, you know, he, he will just go and he'll run through a brick wall for Arsenal. Correct. But that also worried me that if he did play, would he get sent off in the first ten minutes? <laughs> True. Um, so, <laughs> so the the lineup I was pleased with. Um, the atmosphere leading into the the stadium and in the stadium really helped things. Um, impressed players. I was really impressed with uh, Kolchelny and Mustafi. I thought uh, played for me at the back. Kolchelny. I know Mustafi scored the goal and he has come out since and done really a lot of media stuff about uh, being a bit more nasty and aggressive, but in a nice sort of way, if you can be nasty and aggressive in a nice sort of way. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I thought Kolchelny was... <laughs> Closing that the pair of them closed down every ball at the back. Um, Czech had nothing to do, made one good save, uh, and then made another okay save. That he they, well, he did what he needed to do, but there were the only two real uh, opportunities that um, that that Spurs gave him to to show his wares. Um, and our little German maestro, he came, he turned up. <laughs> he did. Ozil. So yeah. I think that's um, uh, and it's funny because I saw. I saw a lot of people on social media and, and even on the on the broadcast talking about, you know, Ozil finally showed up and it arguably maybe his best performance since he's been at Arsenal or in quite some time. And I tell you what, as I watched back the match oh, Santa Hey Santa <laughs> As um as I watched back the match, I noticed I, I mean I kind of kept an eye on him. I wanted to really see what his involvement was like um, throughout the whole the whole ninety minutes and and we can get into the discussion later, but realistically, I mean, in the first 20, 25 minutes of the match, he, he really was a bystander. I mean, he wasn't really involved. Um, but, but what you don't see, which you, I don't think you see on TV, and I, I have this discussion with friends of mine. Um, he's a love-hate sort of um, player, and he is a bit of a luxury player. But on Saturday, he was doing just little taps and dinks and, and creating, but not doing very much, but creating the movement to get out. The first 25 minutes, I think, were, were, were a little bit like uh, school football in the sense that it was FIFA-like, up and down, up and down, up and down, um, and nobody really took control. Uh, but after 25 minutes, I think Ozil got more hold of it and then created more of those dinks and, and created space for us. 
Yeah, I think I mean he definitely does a lot off the ball, and that's and that's one of the things that I wanted to kind of keep an eye on. And and I I made some notes, but uh, the the first time Arsenal was able actually able to string or, or make a pass, a successful pass in the uh, the the Spurs, I guess defensive third was about nine minutes into the game. Uh, I, I thought that. We started well in the sense of defensively. I mean, our shape was fantastic. There wasn't much line and be- there wasn't much space in between lines uh, between Mustafi and and Ramsey and Shaka, who were very disciplined in their positioning and making sure that they didn't get sucked out. I, I watched it closely, and there was very little space, um, which forced Erickson to kind of come deeper. He wasn't able to play in those little pockets that he normally likes to do. Um, so I think from that aspect, we were fantastic. Um, yeah. But in terms of going forward, we just could not keep the ball. And it was incredibly frustrating because we'd get it and we'd just knock it forward and then we'd chase it and then we'd knock it forward. I mean, the the first time we really got into their final third was um, Shaka had a couple of passes on the left-hand side about nine minutes in. He, and he, 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 he kept on losing the ball as well, didn't he? Yeah, and he played the played a cross in that was way too wide and then Trippi ended up kicking it off Ozil for a throw-in. But then we had... Um, you know, the Lacazette chance where he kind of uh, got his foot on the dire clearance and Alexis kind of played the ball into him and he cut it back and put it over the net. So the first, I would say, 20 minutes, Arsenal wasn't great with the ball or going forward, but defensively we were outstanding, which is something that we're not used to seeing. I mean, we're normally used to seeing them get impatient and start to get kind of ripped apart and, and opening up those gaps because they want to get on the ball and they want to move forward. And, and we didn't see that in the first 20 minutes, which I think set the tone for the team going forward. And what did you make of Rambo? Ramsey. So I, I, another one that I watched closely, he, I mean, he covered an immense amount of ground. He was fantastic. Yep. He was disciplined in his positioning. He was disciplined in going forward. He didn't get sucked out as often as we tend to see him get sucked out. And the only thing is later in the match, he did start to do that. The final 15 minutes, which I actually made a note on it, about 69th minute, um, he started to kind of lose his discipline. He started to bomb forward. He, you know, obviously the Spurs were, you know, chasing the result, and there was there was a lot more gaps to be to be exposed. And he started to kind of get sucked out, and you could see him then trying to track back. But at that point, he was starting to leave Shaka exposed, which concerned me a bit, given that he was on a yellow card. But I must say, for a player of his mentality. And this is shocking now to have picked up a yellow card that early um, and to then have not sent off. And not even that, but he didn't put himself in a position where he needed to make that challenge. And that not only speaks for him, but it also speaks for the team in terms of organization because they kind of went to battle for each other. And they made sure that they didn't expose one another and didn't put themselves in trouble. For, for once, for a very long time, um, we did look like a team. Correct. Even even Sanchez wasn't bitching and moaning at people. He's normally gone, ah, like, yeah, he, he, he hit the ground a few times out of frustration. So on, but that's frustration with the pass not coming off or he didn't get the score. Go, or wh- whatever the case may be. But he wasn't bitching and moaning at the other 10 people on the pitch, which he has been doing uh, off late. Correct. And I think in that, so I think the, the big take from me, at least from my perspective in that first half was we weren't, outstanding going forward. Yes, we got the two goals. Um, and, and I'll ask you about the goals shortly, but um, I think the, the big takeaway from that first half was the defensive uh, structure, the defensive organization, and just everyone's commitment to make sure that they were out there to do their job. And I mean, we even yeah. saw 
we even saw Ozil in that first half track back and shortly after the first goal or, or shortly before the first goal, um, he poked the ball away in our defensive third from Erickson. He tracked back, got it back. So it just showed that they were they were invested in it. They were committed. And, and I mean, people won't talk about it, but I think that and I would like to hope that Wenger has a little bit of part to play in that, right? Something must have been said before the game, either that or realistically, this is a match that the players should be self-motivated for. So whether it was oh, so, him so, you know, or you, not, it, it's sorry, go volumes. No, go ahead. Yeah, I, 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 think, I think you're right. I think the players did get themselves up for this uh, by listening to what Mustafi was saying and the way Mustafi was answering his critics and stuff in the media afterwards. Um, I think the players were bang up for this. It was Wenger yeah, deserves some element of credit and so on. I'm not, I'm not an anti-Wenger on, on, on uh, trying to make it an anti-Wenger sort of way. Uh, but I think a lot of it is down to team and team spirit. Um, per Metasacker probably had something to do with it. Jack Wilshire's back in the squad. He, you know, There's players that know what it's about. There's some players who've been there for quite a while uh, that will know what it's about. On the goals then. So what to do? Oh, before we switch on to the goals... The only thing I'd say that did play in our favour, Tottenham did only have 10 men on the pitch. <laughs> I, I would say they had nine. Nine and a half. Yeah. So I think that um, – I think what played in our favour in terms of that – and I think it goes to show that in a match of this magnitude, we – I mean I think it's pretty obvious that Harry Kane and Deli Alley are injured. Uh, either that, yes. or they just had one of the worst performances of their their career. But now, I think it's, it goes without saying. Kane that had so much strapping on his leg; it was unbelievable. Kane's Correct. Kane's leg was like so. I think plaster Paris. Given given the magnitude of the match, I think that shows, at least for me, that Spurs have absolutely zero depth. I mean. Yep. Can you imagine Arsenal going into this match and, um, for example, throwing Alexis or Ozil out there in a match like this where they're both not 100% and you come away, you lose to your rival 2-0 and you what, look terrible? Maybe, maybe, maybe like leaving your 50 million striker on the bench and yeah. playing so, I mean, somebody else. Ooh, who could do that? Not against, <laughs> say, Man City. <laughs> but I mean the fact, that, the fact that we have the depth, right? The fact that we can call on someone like Giroud who, you know, who's doing well at the international level. Maybe he's getting a little frustrated, not getting time to play at the club yep. level, but uh, just being able to call on someone, right? And who are their options, right? They got Llorente and Son. Sure, Llorente can score some goals. He's a physical body. Son has scored some goals as well since he's been at the club. But I think it goes to show that not only did they respect Arsenal a lot, but the fact that they they know that in a match like that, when it comes to crunch time, they don't have the depth unless they go with those guys. And I think they forced it and it showed because it was essentially like having two less guys. And on a side note, on top of all of that, I was not aware of the terrible, terrible record that Pochettino has against the top six teams away from home. Yeah, that's true. Are I, you I, I, me? I saw that. Yeah, unacceptable, really. If if, if this was Wenger or Klopp or any of those. And and I think that they talk about it all the time, right? They talk about um, Wenger and his, you know, inability to take points from the top six and when it matters. But, I mean, the media has been praising and praising and praising Pochettino and how great he is and how he's helped shift the power. I do rate him as a manager, no, I do like him. I think he's a great manager. I think tactically he's pretty good. Um, he's brought Tottenham to to a place where maybe not many would have expected them to get to five, six years ago. But if 
if you're able to, you know, give Wenger stick for not showing up in big games and not taking points from the big clubs, and then you see a stat like that, I think it was they had one one win in, you know, their previous 13 or 16 games away from home against the top six. I mean, that's alarming. Yes. No, no, no. I agree. I agree. The goals. So would what you, you think make of that, the first goal? The first goal. Um, would you think of that fall? I thought it was uh, – I guess on live play before the replay, I thought it was a foul. It looked like he put his arm across him. It looked like a foul. Seeing the replay, I'm not the, the as fact, convinced. The fact that he it. said he was pulling his the fact that he said he was pulling his shirt and he wasn't. Correct. Yeah, he obviously saw something different. Um, it was a good tackle by Sanchez on Sanchez. That always sounds weird. Um, <laughs> it, it, it was a good tackle on Sanchez, but he did. It's very soft and very fortunate, but he did get his arm underneath his armpit and pull him a bit. Correct. But if it happened to us, we'd we be human. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> and then on the ensuing uh, free offside. kick, he's slightly offside. But I mean, in real t- in real time, it's difficult. Uh, it's been on the radio all day today. In, in, in real time, I think it would be difficult to say uh, if you could spot it. But Graham Pohl, the man who gives out three yellow cards in a in a, in a World Cup, um, said that referees should do better from static play. He's got a point, but you sure. know, it, 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 we've had them goal for us before. If you think about, oh, it was a few years ago, I was on holidays and um, Mesut Ozil uh, was deemed offside in the North London derby. Yep. Um, and that was literally his toe cap, you know, and yeah. what about Lacazette at, 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 at Stoke? At Stoke, yeah. I mean, that was probably like his big toe. I think the only reason he got done was because he had an orange flash on on, on one of his boots and his other boot was black. And then the, the orange flash boot was the one that was slightly ahead. So. And, the play, and the play that play was so quick. The fact that they were yeah. able to make that call instantaneously is absolutely baffling. I mean, yeah. and normally you would say that you give the advantage to the attacking team. In that sense, you think that you're going to get the advantage. We didn't get it with Lacazette. We didn't get it with Mustafi at Chelsea. And Saturday we got it, right? And, and realistically, can you think back? And I was trying to think about it. Can you think back the last time Arsenal got a goal that was controversial or, you know, I, I, I can't think of one really. Man City, uh, Wembley, semi-final, <laughs> two of them. <laughs> but, like, apart from that, generally we're always on the bad side of these calls. Uh, you know what? I, as fans, we would think that. But I think in reality, it works out. It's the rub of the green. It just depends how important the game is. And if it's a semi final or if it's a North London derby and it goes against you, it's more horrific than the Stoke one. We don't, yes, we're a bit annoyed about, but it wouldn't be as important if that was the North London derby and that was the winning or equalising goal, uh, we'd be gone nuts from this season until the next game. Correct. Like, but the I next, mean, they all the next count, North right? Like, had we, yeah. had we not, you know, has La- had Lacazette's goal counted against Stoke, you know, the league standings maybe look a little bit different, right? Maybe we get a point from that match. Maybe we get three points from that match. So, uh, I just feel like we'd be ahead of Tottenham again. Exactly. And I mean, we will be soon, <laughs> but yes. uh, um, it's just, it's one of those things that we got the call and Mustafi even mentioned it in his post-match conference. You know, it, it didn't work out against Chelsea. We, we probably could have got the benefit of the doubt. We didn't, um, we didn't get the benefit of the doubt with David Silva's um, offside against Manchester city or against, yeah, away to Manchester city. Um, and, 
Saturday we got the benefit of the doubt. So, I mean, it could have gone either way if they had called it, you know, hey, he's offside, yeah. right? But um, yeah. I don't think that they – And a second, second goal? I don't think it was offside. No, a second goal, the only part that's offside is his arm, which the, the rule says it has to be a part of your body that you can legally score with. So he's definitely not offside on that. But I think one note I have to I mention like – <laughs> One thing I have to mention off of that goal – um, is Christian Eriksen gets the ball with his uh, – he's facing his goal about 35 yards out on that play, takes it down with his chest and literally just punts it over his head and gives it right back to, I believe it was Bellerin, um, just cheaply gives it away. And I, and I I think no one mentions that and, and it turns into, you know, Bellerin plays that ball into Lacazette who plays in the Alexis. Is this is, – is this the Ericsson who's a superstar because he knocked Ireland out of the World Cup? Exactly. Uh, well. and, and I think – and I didn't want to mention it just because you're Irish. But <laughs> yeah, um, I think that had that it's been – Over and over and over again. <laughs> had, that, had that been, uh, you know, Alexis, had that been Ozil, done that, you know, just given the ball away cheaply, which then results in immediately a goal, I think the media would have been all over it. But the fact that it's oh, yeah. Ericsson yeah. and the media, I've, I feel like, are portraying this image of, of Spurs. You know, they got Harry Kane, they got Deli Alley, they got English players who are up and coming. And I feel like they're, they're just – you know they're saving. Oh, they're, 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 they're in love. They're in love with Pochettino and Spurs at the minute. It's just it, it, it's it's same as when Klopp came to to you, uh, Liverpool. Oh, he's wonderful. Yeah, he's charismatic, and they want to play him. Yeah, to be honest, I think they play to their ego so that they uh, that they can get more interviews and stuff like that. Although Pochettino doesn't seem to have as much of an ego as say the likes of Klopp and and Fergie and so on. He seems more in the elk of uh, a, a manager like 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 Wenger with a bit of class. Yeah, I do like – I mean, he's definitely not a, a showman, uh, which is what I like about Pochettino. He's very um, – seems to be a humble guy. I mean, I don't I don't watch and read about spuds very often when we're <laughs> playing against them or something went wrong. But uh, uh, he just the way he carries himself, his presentation, uh, I actually like him a lot. So um, – Yeah. Um, that's enough. That's a, that's enough admiration for anything to do. With <laughs> I know, right? Yeah, okay. yeah, it's just because he's Spanish. We'll just do it because he's Spanish. <laughs> Nothing to do with Spurs. So the so second that's the half. First, that's, yeah, I was just going to say that's the first half. So what, what, second half was um, they came out. They came at us. Yeah, I think the second half. What I thought to me, the second half was the best that we played. Um, not only were we organized defensively again. But I think that's when Ozil, Lacazette, and Alexis really started to come into the game. I think Spurs had to come out. They had to open up some gaps. They had to really test some things and, and kind of go Harry for Kane it. was starting to be tired at that point as well. Yeah. And I, I think and Ali as well. They were, they were looked stretched. They looked a bit forlorn yeah. to a certain degree. 2-0 two, two down, chuck everything at us. And Arsenal was able to – there was a couple times where Ozil got the ball at the edge of our box and they just played one, two touches all the way up the field and it just looked amazing. I mean, talk about Wenger ball, right? I mean, just one, two, laying it off and just the three of them a couple times just created a whole counterattack by themselves all the way up the pitch and it, you really started to see what the two, the three of them are capable of bringing to the team if they're motivated, if you know they're interested in getting it done. So it was exciting to see that aspect as well as well as but, the the structure that but, we had but then yeah. you take off like i said would you have taken them off so if not it, so this is you, one of the things that i was kind of on the fence about it, ironically i tweeted prior to Lacazette coming off 
I said something uh, similar to Did you tweet on guns and ribbons. I didn't. It was on my personal one, but it was something oh, okay. along the lines of, uh, you know, hopefully Wenger doesn't make the mistake of taking Lacazette off. And again, he was playing well. I mean, his movement off the ball is brilliant. I mean, he drags defenders with him. He causes all sorts of chaos, um, which opens up those gaps for for Alexis and Ozil. But yep. given the way the match was going, 2-0 up, wet pitch, Shaka is on a yellow card. I would have expected Shaka to come off. But exactly. when he brought in Coquelin, I was a little bit skeptical trying to figure out what the hell is he trying to do here. So what I think his... his I think, did, did he put uh, Lecoq alongside Chaka and then push Rambo up, did they? So it looked more like, and I watched the back yesterday, and it looked more like Coquelin sat in front of the two defense or sat in front of Mustafi, and Shaka and Ramsey were kind of just in front of him. So if you watch it back, Shaka and Ramsey were kind of getting up the field a little bit more, um, and Coquelin was supposed to kind of just okay. sit in front of that back that back line. And, and it, there was a couple times where they kind of got some gaps and we were sitting a little bit too deep, but fortunately nothing came of it. But I think that... It was a great save by Czech, wasn't there? Yeah, off Eric Dyer's header, which realistically, yep. apart from that and uh, Harry Kane's shot in the first six minutes, uh, there wasn't... I mean, he was a bystander for most of the match. But Yes, he was. I think that, unfortunately for Wenger, is he's... He's done it so many times, taking Lacazette off and not letting him finish a match that he's just going to be scrutinized regardless, right? But I think yeah. his 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 mentality here was just give us a little bit more structure um, and grit in the midfield. And if I don't want to take Shock off, which I can somewhat agree with, um, let's put Coughlin in there. Let him do the dirty work and give Shaka and Ramsey that ability to roam. They can cover some ground. We have Alexis and Ozil who can cause problems going forward. We don't have to necessarily attack. The onus is on Spurs to kind of come at us, and let's just go from there. (laughs) Obviously, had Spurs scored um, and made things interesting in the final 10, 15 minutes, maybe you question that. uh, From being there, it felt like that was going to happen. I don't know if that's just nerves or whatever it, you know th- towards the end of the game I thought oh, oh shit they're gonna, they're gonna get one they're gonna get one oh Jesus and then we're you know it's just uh, but what did you make of Sanchez towards the well you always hit, missed um, a, a bit of a sitter um, and then Sanchez went in uh, was it one on one with the keeper and um, went down in the box but got back up again could easily be a penalty do you agree yeah, I think if he goes down there, he calls a penalty. But, I mean, kudos to him for staying on his feet. I, I'm not one to um, really um, want players to go to ground easily. Obviously, if he had done I, it, I, it's fine. I, I, wanted three. I wanted three. I wanted three. <laughs> I mean, I, I the, only I, the, only, the only reason I say this is I was in the pub, uh, unusually, in the pub beforehand, and um, I said to somebody, you know what, my, my, my feelings have changed throughout the day. He said, what? I said, I... I I did predict a draw, and obviously, as I said earlier, I thought, you know, mm, you know, this could. But I went, no, nah, I've got a positive feeling today. I said, things come in threes, don't they? And I said, they went, mm, yeah, what do you mean? He said, well, I told you earlier I went for my run. I've got a challenge to do 1,000 kilometers in a year, and I actually hit 888 kilometers so far this year. <laughs> uh, which, which Chinese proverbs is eight is lucky, and having three eights means you're triple lucky. Um, 
I, a friend of mine who got my tickets for the Cologne game, Rob Gray, um, he sent the tickets through to me and they arrived on Friday, but I wasn't in to sign for them. So I had to go down to get the post uh, to the post office to pick them up. And there was three tickets in this, in this envelope. And I went, so we got three eights. You got three uh, tickets. We're going to have three goals. <laughs> and it would have been perfect. It would have. You know, don't you agree? <laughs> I agree. No, I mean, hey, any opportunity that you can can't that you can to score goals on Spurs is always welcome, whether it's, you know, four, five, six, I don't care. As many as we can score, I'll take it. But, um, again, he, I mean, he could have gone to ground. Maybe if the game was tight, maybe if it was 0-0, I would have been yelling at my television telling him to go to ground. But, um, I mean, Lloris yeah. came up big there. And then at the end there when Coughlin – ironically played a through ball to Alexis and he, he kind of got by Sanchez and went one-on-one and Loris again was up for the challenge. And then Alexis had that, uh, head slide down the, uh, the sideline there. When he yeah, was yeah, the yeah, ball. <laughs> so what would you take as your match positive and your match negative? So my match positive is going to be, uh, Mustafi. I think that to me, his best performance since joining the club was at, Chelsea. Um, I think Saturday's performance was, I mean, far better than that. I mean, he was just incredible on the end of everything, anything into the box. He was there. Um, he cleaned everything up. He organized the back line. He got the goal. Um, and I, I would say that maybe Cassiani could be in the argument for, you know, a positive yeah, it's the, uh, be, uh, on, on the day and not uh, seeing it back. Um, I, I had Koscielny up as man of the match, um, but yeah, I do, I do get. We, we had a slight discussion beforehand uh, about this, people, um, and so with that, we have different positives and negatives. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a trade secret. We about it. Yeah, so I so. think he, he'd be my positive, um, and then my negative is Santi's. Santi's excited to talk about this. Oh, Santi Cazola! <laughs> I'll serenade him. <laughs> So my negative for the match, or overall, is uh, the English media. I think that going into it, they've they've babied and loved the Spurs. Um, you know, it seemed like we were destined to get smashed because, again, there's been a power shift and Spurs are just above Arsenal at this point. And every possible no, thing that you can say about them. The power, power station blew up in N17. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I mean, the fact that they kind of put Spurs up on this pedestal and then they turned up and put in the performance that they did um, kind of was a good slap in the face for them. And and I think that the Arsenal players kind of took that on board and really wore that on their shoulder, which you could kind of see the, the, uh, the grit and the passion in their performance as well. So I think that um, ironically, it's funny that you haven't really seen much talk about Spurs and how they failed to win away. Whereas, no, I know it's quite funny, isn't it? Had it been Arsenal that lost, you know, it would have been, oh my god, as you can see now, the power shift is on and whatnot. So, that would my positive, Mustafi. My negative is going to be the English media. Well, my positive um, is a uh, bloke that's loved and hated, our luxury player. Uh, my positive is Medez Ozil. Um, I thought he just controlled the midfield, uh, control, he just controlled the game in general. And to his name got sung out towards the end as he came off. But to be honest, I think he probably deserved a chant a little bit before. But people are a little bit reticent about it because they feel he's disappeared in big games. But he definitely turned up uh, on Saturday and he got a standard ovation leave from the pitch. Um, my negative 
uh, my negative. I can't remember what I said my negative was going to be. Can you remember what I said my negative was going to be? I'm just, I'm all positive up, you see. That's that's me. I'm just like all positive up. You're, you're negative. Um, yeah, my, my, my negative was one swallow. Oh, yeah. Doesn't make a summer. Yep. Doesn't make a summer. Yes, we've won the North London Derby. Yes, we are all buzzing about it. And it's great to have one, especially uh, in the UK, it's great to have one over your local rivals. I don't know if you know any afflicted yids in our Spurs fans in uh, in, in, in Massachusetts, but uh, I'm sure you gave them loads. Two of them. <laughs> <laughs> Two of them. Oh, do they have like strange lesions and stuff on them and stuff yeah, like that? all of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, no, it's... It, it's great to to to, to beat our local rivals, um, but you know what? Almost leading on perfectly to upcoming fi- fixtures, our next Premier League fi- fixtures against Burnley at Turf Moor, um, and that you know that could be well. Last year we waited to the fourth bit of injury, Tom, I think, and uh, your son's namesake scored a penalty, didn't he? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it was definitely a, I mean, I remember it like it was yesterday. It was definitely a nerve-wracking performance for sure. Um, yeah. Not the way I would have uh, liked to win it. Well, no, last no, you, last year was uh, Cassiani that scored in stoppage time. Oh, was it, it, it Santi? But did Santi not score a penalty? Last year? No, Santi wasn't. Was, oh, he was. He did play. But last year was uh, when we had that cross into the box, back post, the ball bounced and... It looked like that's it, that's it. and he scored. That's it. it. And Santi's just been correcting me in the background because yeah. you don't know what you're talking about. You're the <laughs> Irishman. <laughs> yeah, so, um, so okay, so, go on. So this is um, this is going to be an interesting one. So I guess that kind of segues into uh, our discussion about the upcoming upcoming fixtures. We'll talk about away to Cologne since you're going there, and you can give us that all needs, the that needs, a spe- that, that, that needs a special spot. The Cologne trip, <laughs> but uh, the Burnley <laughs> one, I think, is an, is one of those that could, like you said, could be a potential banana skin. But I mean, looking back, the last five performance or the last five matches that we've had away to Burnley, uh, we've won three, lost one, and tied one. So. And I mean, Burnley's playing well this year, so it's one of those that could go either way. But I mean, if we stick to our guess, we're Burnley are in the league. I know it's all tight. It's really tight up top. Yeah, and Burnley are up top with us. Yeah, so I mean, it's another another manager. Another manager I like, Sean Dyche, even though he has uh, sounds like uh, he's eats gravel for breakfast. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, he's good. I'm not a fan of his uh, style of play. Listen, he's he, he does what he 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 does what he can with what he's got. Correct. You know, he's got he's he's got a a championship mid mid table championship side in the Premier League, and uh, you know, in the top where they're seventh. Is it seventh or eighth? I believe it is in, in the league. Seventh, so you know he's doing well. He's taking them down, taking them back up again. You know, and it just shows a little bit as well. But a manager with some stability and not getting rid of managers left, right, and center uh, can make a difference. At, at, at two clubs we've been talking about so far. Correct, and they um, are. They've only conceded. Santi's getting really excited now. They've only uh, conceded nine goals this season, so um, that's quite commendable. And I mean, they've only they've only scored twelve, but they're they're one of the top three defensive units in the Premier League compared to Arsenal's, uh, you know, sixteen goals conceded. So, 
<laughs> yeah, well, we can talk. I'll tell you that that's one for back three or back four. We'll talk about that another time. Yeah. Um, so uh, lineups, I reckon there'll be a bit of rotation. I think Coughlin will get a will will get a, a run out. Um, would 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 you look at playing Holding or Chambers at the back against Burnley? Yeah, it, it, to be honest, at the back, no. No, it's got to be. It's got to be. It's got to be Mustafi, Koscielny, Monreal, hasn't it? Yeah, I mean the fact that we have the Europa League match will allow them to kind of rest some players. So those guys that played the North London derby, most of them aren't going to feature. Uh, I hope Jack Thursday. does. Yeah. So I mean, anyone that started most likely isn't going to play. So I think um, giving them that rest, and I would I would say that we go with the same, same lineup squad. that we just played. I mean, it gives us again if if we if we did it against Spurs, I don't see why we can't do it against anyone else. It's just a matter of are they going to be up for the match? Totally agree. Totally agree. And drum roll, please. <laughs> Fergus is off to Europe. <laughs> first trip um, going to a lovely German city called Cologne to watch FC Cologne I think there's only going to be um, uh, well we've got two and a half thousand tickets but I think a few other are travelling so probably about three maybe three and a half thousand of us out there a lot less than their their ten thousand was it ten thousand no twenty thousand that um, stormed and swamped London uh, which was a great night in, in my view despite what the English media going back to what you said <laughs> uh, portrayed it as they, they portrayed it as dreadful yeah. um, I think the kids will get a run out there yeah, I agree yeah I think it, I mean like he's done in the the previous matches I think it makes sense to kind of throw them in there the fact that we've already qualified for the next round it makes makes total sense to kind of rotate again the only frustration I see out of all of that is I kind of feel bad for Giroud he uh he, you know, he wanted to, and he, I mean, he's wanted to stay with the club. He wanted to fight for a spot, and he hasn't really had many opportunities to do that in the Premier League. And he's kind of playing with a bunch of uh, players, or fringe players, or youngsters. And and for someone of his experience, it's tough because he's not going to get the service he would expect. But I can't imagine that, you know, he's enjoying that too much. He is thirty-one, so he does does know he'll be dropping down the pecking order. Right. So. Um, Yes, uh, you know, uh, do you think we'll play Jack out in um, in Cologne, or do you think he might be rested and played in Burnley because he's now getting named in the uh, in the in the main team squad? Um, no, I think he'll play him. I don't. I don't. Okay. I don't see Wenger uh, resting him, considering he didn't you play struggle. on Saturday. Yeah, you struggling with Santi? He's just getting really excited. I have to pick him up. <laughs> I'll tell you what, why don't we just take a quick break here now. So, we're back. I hope you enjoyed that little um, music that we had, our chant. Um, That was from Inside the Stadium uh, uh, on Saturday. Um, And yes, we did win the league (laughs) at the Shytop Lane. So, um, next, we need to go and look at the uh, topic that we want to get a debate talking about. We'll we'll give our point of view on this, but what we'd really like is for you guys listening to us to to get in touch with us um, either on Facebook, uh, Guns and Yellow Ribbons on Facebook, um, on Twitter, Guns and Ribbons um, on Twitter. Um, and if you are going to do uh, Guns and Ribbons, have we thought of a hashtag that we do it on it? 
Um, I think we can just go with guns and ribbons, hashtag guns and ribbons for now. And um, hopefully we get some positive feedback and some, some responses back from our listeners and we can continue to, uh, I guess, add to our Gooner discussions on a weekly basis. Yeah, we're doing quite well on the Facebook page. We're over 200 people already, uh, so I'm pleased pleased about that. Um, do share with your friends, um, and if you do want to to get in touch with us about anything or any subjects that you'd like to talk about, just let just let us know. As I said, um, at Guns and Ribbons, um, our contacts on the Facebook page. So um, the debate, we said we we're going to talk about um, uh, Uzmanov versus uh, Silent Stan the Wanker uh, Cronky. <laughs> So I guess I'll, I'll kick it off here with uh, Silent Stan. So I'm not his biggest fan, as I'm sure most people aren't. And I think I, the, the frustrating thing for me, and I'm sure I speak for most Arsenal supporters, is the fact that he just – I mean he's more of a business person than he is uh, you know, a, a football fan in general. So he, again, he's running this as a business. We understand that. But just the fact that he just doesn't seem to understand anything of it. He doesn't seem to understand anything about the club or about the sport or just kind of the evolution of, of the, the sport in general. And, you know, I went back and kind of did some research on him and, you know, where he comes from and what he did. So, I mean, he's been in business since he was, I believe, 10 years old. His, his dad had a company, uh, you know, and he was kind of doing the financial aspect of it since he was 10 years old. So came from a small town. Most of his money came from his wife, didn't it? It did. So he, prior to getting married, he had his own real estate business. Um, so, he, I mean, he had his own fair share of money at the time. Uh, his wife, uh, her her dad was the owner of Walmart. For those who don't know who Walmart is, I mean, most people in the United States will know who they are. But um, in the UK, he, in the UK, we got it. We, we've got it. It's called Asda. It's, it's okay. the same company. Yes, yeah, so, yep. I mean, massive company. I mean, they're generating loads and loads of money. I mean, his value. Uh, at the moment, he's valued, or last year's Forbes list, he was valued at about seven billion dollars. Um, obviously, that includes the money that he inherited. My, my, my guy, my guy's worth a lot more than that. <laughs> I know that. Um, so, I mean, he owns, you know, Cronky Sports and Entertainment. Their po- their portfolio includes. Um, Sorry, you called it Cronky Sports and what? Entertainment. Entertainment. That's their the name of their company. So they and, and what? And what? Sorry. <laughs> Entertainment. <laughs> it's not entertaining, though. He's not oh. interesting. Oh, I know. <laughs> so, I mean, he's got a portfolio of, you know, the Denver Nuggets and the NBA, the Colorado Rapids and the MLS, Colorado Avalanche and the NHL. Um, at the time was the St. Louis Rams, but who are now the Los Angeles Rams. Oh, yeah, um, that, that's fine. We'll just, we'll just use, move Manchester City to yeah. mm, uh, Inverness, Inverness <laughs> exactly. City. Yeah. So, I mean – just the investment that he's putting into the Rams at the moment, um, he kind of ruffled some feathers with the people in St. Louis. They weren't happy that they moved out of there, but now they're in L.A. building a new stadium. He claims that the stadium is going to cost $1.8 million. Um, Los Angeles Times says that the price can reach – or sorry, I said $1.8 billion. Los Angeles Times says that it could reach Suddenly 2.6. Funnily enough, the value of Arsenal Football Club is $1.78 billion. Oh, yeah. So, so uh, if he gets all the shares, he can leverage Arsenal and will be funding correct. Uh, the stadium out there. So Los Angeles Times says that the price could reach $2.6 billion, and the New York Times says that the value is going to be near $3 billion. So loads and loads of money that are being put into this franchise, put into this new stadium. Um, but if you look at it as a whole, 
his clubs or his franchises that he owns aren't or haven't been very successful since his takeover from us. He's only got one that's doing are the Rams doing okay at the minute, aren't they? They're the only ones. Yes, I mean, apart from us, I mean, he took over Arsenal in 2011, I I guess became majority shareholder with 67.05% against Uzmanov's 30.04. But Let's not get into a fight over it. It's not about how much you've got. It's about the quality. Exactly. But if you look at, and and by no means am I a silent stand supporter, but if you look at his, his franchise's records over the years, I mean, the Rams were consistently one of, if not the worst team in the NFL for years since 2011, maybe even prior to that. Um, you know, this year they, they've won seven, and I believe they lost yesterday. So seven and three, they're not doing too bad. Um, the Colorado Avalanche and the NHL haven't been very great. I mean, they made the first round of the playoffs in 2013-14. They got knocked out in the first round. Um, uh, I will have to give my allegiances of uh, of American clubs. Um, I'm a Patriots uh, fan on the NFL, even though I don't do uh, I don't watch much of it. Um, on the Bruins and the Celts, I'm Boston all the way. All right, well that's perfect because I'm a Boston supporter as well. Um, <laughs> I live in Boston, so I have to support the home team. But uh, yeah. you know, and then the Colorado Rapids again haven't been that great. They they made the conference semifinals um, in 2011, 2012, but apart from that. Um, they've been mediocre at best. They made the Western knockout, um, 2013, 14, so, essentially the first so, round so, of the playoffs. So what's, what, what is, can you, in a couple of sentences say what you think his, um, his purpose or his reason to have Arsenal football club is his portfolio? I think his reasoning is, I mean, it's a huge market, right? I mean, he's got all the major sports covered in his portfolio right now in terms of the U S um, Having a club like Arsenal that has the history, has the the marketing capabilities that he that he wants and needs. I mean, in terms of market, I, I would argue that maybe they have the biggest market value of all his portfolio. Maybe apart from the Rams, considering they just moved. But apart from that, from a global footprint, yeah. I would say Arsenal probably has the biggest marketing aspect for him. And yeah, and, and, and as bit of real estate and property in in, in, in London. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I've, uh, it's, again, he's, he's running it as a business. The frustration for me is that he doesn't really understand the sport, um, doesn't seem to really care about it. He just wants to be able to say that we made money at the end of the year. And the, the biggest thing for me was the fact that the AGM, he sat there and literally said nothing. I mean, can you imagine – can you imagine how, how rude to that lady who asked the same question for six years yeah. about diversity on the board and he just ignored it? Correct. And just can you picture going into your, you know, full-time job, sitting in a meeting with, you know, your directors and your CEO and the CEO sitting there and not having anything to say the whole time. I mean, it just, I can't understand how that's acceptable. And given his background in business, I can't imagine that he would accept that from anyone else. So the fact that he he was able to do that and be okay with it is is frustrating and concerning. On the other hand, we got um, Alicia Uzmanov, is it? Yep. I think that's how you pronounce his name. Um, Russian billionaire who's got a bigger uh, bank balance than um, Salinstan. He's got about 15 billion, is this what he's worth? Um, 
seems to be a big football fan, uh, seems to be a very much an Arsenal fan. Well, he appears to be an Arsenal fan or at least interested in the club, wants to get involved, wants to invest in the club, has said he'd give £100 million to Wenger uh, two, three seasons ago. Got 30% off, they are just over 30% off uh, the shareholding, which entitles them to uh, a place on the board. But he has to be invited unless he's got over 31%. And then obviously, Silent Stan uh, is not going to invite him because he was under strict instructions uh, many years ago um, by um, a former shareholder to say that um, they didn't want Uzbanov on the board. And I, I believe the reason behind that, I. I uh, I don't think, you know, everyone thinks he's the Holy Grail, and I, I don't necessarily think he is the Holy Grail. Yes, he's got pots and pots and pots of money, um, but I think, um, oh, I've got to be careful, you can get liable, liable <laughs> on this sort of stuff, can't you? So, um, I, 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 you know, I, I just, let, let's look at the Everton connection, okay? He um, him, he sold his shares, or he bought his shares from Mashiri to get the 30%. Uh, there's a program on um, on BBC, which it's called uh, the Paradise Papers. I don't know if you've seen it. Uh, maybe you can stick a link in the comments later for yep. people to watch. I don't know. It might be geotagged or whatever, but I'm sure people can find a way around that. Um, but it discusses um, that um, he allegedly, uh, or he apparently bought uh, his shares from Mashuri. Mashuri then went to Everton and bought 49.9% of Everton. It now... According to this uh, Paradise Papers, it transpires that money didn't necessarily change hands out of some uh, question over how the money was and that the shares were gifted to um, Usmanov from Moshiri and the um, money that Moshiri used to buy his stake in Everton um, – uh, indirectly or directly came from um, Usmanov. And Usmanov already having 30% share in Arsenal, legally according to the rules in this country, uh, he cannot have an interest in another sports club. Out of the fact that um, Usmanov, Mashuri and uh, some guy beginning with S, I can't, I can't remember his surname, it's, it's UMS, which is um, uh, an investment vehicle that uh, Usmanov have, um, have sponsored the training ground at Everton. Um, and also I did read that naming my stadium, uh, Usmanov Metals has uh, the naming rights of new stadium in Everton. So all in all, uh, I think he's got more links to Everton than he's got links to, to Arsenal. I think at some point, uh, somebody will um, either buy him out, buy Stan out, uh, and I don't think he's going to be our saviour. Yeah, I don't. unfortunately, I don't see anyone buying Stan out or him willing to sell unless the, the amount is ridiculous. I mean, we saw the rumours about Usmanov trying to buy out Stan. Whether they were true or not, we don't know, right? But, I mean, the value that they put on it was far superior to what he paid um, and a pretty good chunk of change. So this guy he, has he, money. He, he, did, he, did money. Nearly, he did nearly sell because um, uh, his son was nearly forced him with all the yeah. uproar. Um, and that's another thing. Anybody who is attending games after every game, after we've clapped off all the teams, uh, can we still uh, start chanting, uh, get out of our club, Stan Kroenke, get out of our club? <laughs> Yeah, I don't think – I mean, again, he probably doesn't watch many matches, maybe one or two a season, so he probably doesn't really bother him too it's much. It's got to be bad, bad publicity. 
um, when when that when that thing came out of his hunting channel um, being released in the UK, I uh, I tweeted uh, Citroen Vitalize. You, you just listed um, uh, all the sponsors that Arsenal have, and I went onto the website and found all the sponsors, found their their Twitter pages, and I just bombarded their Twitter pages with how can we link with a man like this who likes to go out killing elephants for fun. Yeah, I mean, hopefully it starts a movement, but I'm not I'm not too convinced that'll happen. But I mean, if it does, uh, hopefully it's a person that actually has interest in the club and the sport, and not just trying to run it as a business. That's true. Listen, we've had our say. Let's see what other people say. See if anybody gets anything in the comments. I agree. So, if, uh, for those of you listening, if you are pro Kroenke or against Kroenke or pro Usmanov or against Usmanov, or maybe you have someone else in mind that could probably uh, add to the club, be sure to uh, add your comments in the uh, comments of the Facebook page or tweet us. Um, you can send us an email at info at guns and yellow ribbons.com. Um, we'd be interested to hear your thoughts and Going forward, if you have any suggestions in terms of uh, an additional debate that we can have next week in our podcast, be sure to kind of share your thoughts and suggestions, and maybe we'll pick one of your your topics. Listen, it's been great. I've enjoyed it. Um, I did uh, get a little bit nervous to start off with beforehand. I think it's the, the lead up to it, and uh, I know we had a, a few text conversations and so on. I did try and call you after the North London derby, by the way. I, th- I think you saw a couple of his calls, but I was probably um, slightly. I was I was exuberant. <laughs> I was, <laughs> and I thought. Uh, <laughs> well, Santi's our, Santi's our mascot, so like, uh, <laughs> listen, everybody, it's been brilliant. I've really enjoyed it. Um, I've enjoyed talking to you, Mike. It's great to get a perspective uh, from across the pond, um, and it's great to be able to share uh, some of the some some of the some of the feelings and some of the sentiments of what it's like from us fans over here in the UK, uh, and who also even attend, some of us attend the games. Um, as we said before, put your, put your comments, like, share, everything, all that sort of stuff. Thank you, Santi. <laughs> he reiterated that. So, uh, again, yeah. hopefully everyone enjoyed our first uh, episode. Hopefully they'll continue to get better. Leave us your feedback. Leave us your thoughts. Hopefully we can improve it um, to your liking, and hopefully we cover the topics that you guys want to listen to because, again, we're not just doing this for us. We're doing it for you guys. Um, just two Arsenal supporters and a baby talking about the club that we love. And um, hopefully you all enjoyed it and we will uh, catch back up next week. So from me, Fergus, Mike, and obviously our guest appearance for today, but our star of the show, Santi. Thanks very much. Good day. Good afternoon. Good evening. Goodbye.